everyone. Thanks for uh, tuning back in to the next episode. Um, There were a couple things that I had left out of last week's episode that I wanted to um, share with you guys. Uh, One of the things is that the woman that I talked about, I think it was in episode two or three, that had called me that morning, um, said that they were engaged and she was pregnant. Well, I later found out from a mutual friend, someone that knows her and knows me, and this is after the fact and after I divorced him, that she knew about me because he actually told her that I was a job, that he was hired by the FBI to get some information on me. And so that's who I was. So let's see. So I was a job. His second wife, Lindell, was a job. And his first wife, Marie Therese, was a job. So, yeah. I found that after the fact. And I was like, wow, this guy is Looney Tunes. Cocoa for Cocoa Puffs. Um, Anyways, and then another thing is... Another reason why sometimes, ladies, you want to stay in these relationships with these men is because you fall in love with their representative. It's not really them. It's the mask that they use to get you and entangle you. And it's their representative. That's who you fall in love with. It's fake. It's a facade. But you really fall in love with that. And for the rest of the relationship, you're chasing that. You're trying to to get that person you fell in love with. But you'll never, you'll never get it back. That was just their representative to get you, to catch you, to put their hooks into you. And it, it just, it's fake. So that person will never come back. You'll never see that representative again. That's gone. That representative moved on to another relationship that you don't even know about. Um, so I just wanted to share those little tidbits with you guys. There was just so much that my narc had put me through that when I start talking about it, I really remember things and I <laughs> more things than I care to remember. And it's like, wow, I put up with a lot, a lot, even down to, you know, I was the provider of the home. I had my business. Um, I asked him if he would get licensed and help me with the business, which he didn't want to do. He fought it for a long time. So then I asked him just to get a job because the weight of carrying a household and a family was so much on me uh, that the stress was just killing me because business is, you know, when you're a self-employed business owner, your business is always up and down. There's no consistency and it can be scary scary on one income. He was capable of working. He just didn't want to. And the more I would ask him to please, please get a job. Please help me. Please help carry this load. 
he told me I was demasculating him. That me, his wife, mother of his child, is demasculating him to ask him to get a job and help support the family. Wow. Okay. So he told me I was demasculating him. He told me I was putting him down. He told me why would he go out and get a job and work at Costco or somewhere like that, only making 50000 a year when my business triples that. Why? Just so that I could go out and buy more coach purses? <laughs> he literally said that to me. No, because maybe we can start putting some money away into a savings account for our son for a college fund or for an emergency fund or for when business is slow fund. I don't know. It's just be nice to have some more money put away for emergencies and for when business is slow. Oh, our wait. No, let's do it so you can buy more $300 shirts at Nordstrom's. Or, you know, buy more equipment for your studio. I don't know if I told you guys this. I don't think I told you guys this in the any episodes. He was a DJ on the side, a wannabe DJ. He thought he was going to be this top electronic house DJ like Tiesto and all these famous DJs. Tiesto, who is a Tiesto? There's um I'm having a brain fart. There's lots of of them out there. If if anyone likes electronic house music, you know what I'm talking about. It is good music, but you're not at that level. You're doing DJing somewhere, what, once a month for $250? That's not going to help the household. But that's what he, that's what he thought he was going to do. He thought he was going to be this amazing electronic house DJ and be able to do shows. Um, so we were always investing in DJ equipment for his studio, for his in-home studio, buying huge Apple screen computers, um, all the equipment needed in DJing and that the, had to be the top of the line, the latest. I, I can guarantee you his studio in our home was probably worth, you know, between 50 and 60,000. So yeah, no, you need to get a job. $250 a month DJing isn't going to cut it, but that's demasculating him. So I told you guys last week that I was going to have my sister on and get her take on what it's like being a family member to someone who is in a relationship with a sociopath, with a narcissist, and what they see. Because it's hard to see when you're in it. It's hard to even decipher that it's actual abuse. You don't have to be being abused. Um, Someone does not have to be putting their hands on you for you to literally be abused. There's all other forms of abuse out there. Uh... Unfortunately, mine did end 
in physical abuse. It ended in an assault that he still tries to deny to this day, but I have medical records showing the injury. I have pictures of the bruises up and down my legs, in between my legs, near my crotch, which he still tries to deny. He said, uh, he didn't lay a finger on me, not one finger, but I have all the proof. I have the proof and I have the truth. Um, so I'm going to introduce my sister, Barbara, and, you know, let's get her take on everything she went through with her brother-in-law being a sociopathic narcissist and seeing the things that he would do to me and our son. So here's Barbara. Barbara, say hi to the audience. Hello. Glad to be here. We sound alike, but (laughs) (laughs) we sound alike. It's not really me. It's really is my sister, Barbara. But um, Barb, what, what were your first thoughts on Laszlo. What were your first thoughts about him when I first met him and everything? What was your, what went through your mind? Well, I thought he was attractive. I thought that um, he overdressed. I thought that, I remember he'd always be like he was going to court or to church or something. And I said, why is he always so dressed up like that? I mean, doesn't he own a pair of shorts and flip-flops, a t-shirt. Yeah, you always know? suited up. Always, like, GQ. And, you know, I'm just, I, I just don't care for that type. But um, anyways, but then I maybe, uh, I know in the beginning, I don't know how far into the relationship it was, but I just remember that I know that uh, I just thought that there was something off about him. I just said, I, I remember telling you, I said, honey, I, there's just something wrong with him. I don't know what it is. There's just something that's just not right, and I can't pinpoint it. But you could feel it. I felt it. I did. I knew something wasn't right. And, you know, and, and, and then Dale, you know, my husband, your brother-in-law, would mm-hmm. be like, Oh, it's just because he's foreign. He's just because he's from another country. They do things different, and you know, like no, yeah, that's Dale trying to see. Well, <laughs> you guys were trying to see the good in everybody because yeah. that's that's how we are. Yeah, we try to see the good. Yeah, and I, you know, jumping ahead, I, and hearing his sad story, I felt compelled to make sure that he knew that we loved him, you know, because I know that I thought that, oh, I felt bad for him, that he had loss and, he, you know, he was wrongly uh, imprisoned for something that he didn't do, the whole lie and about his, you know, upbringing and his mother basically not being there for him. It was his aunt that raised him. So I was like, I want him to know extra. He's that, loved. Yeah, he's loved. And cared for. Mm-hmm. You know, because honestly, I didn't care for him at first, but then I questioned my 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 feelings and thought that I was being too judgmental. So then I just I fell in love as as my brother as well, and so I made sure every time I spoke to him and every time he left the house, or every time we hung up the phone, I told him 
that I loved him. And it just, it really was probably just meaningless to him. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, it was. They they don't love. They don't love a healthy love. Um, they love what you can do for them. Yes. That's so true. Mm-hmm. That's so true, people. Narcissists love what you can do for them. They don't love you. You are an object. You are their supply. And I think that um, he knew how close that we were. Mm-hmm. And he thought that if he could manipulate me or show me something that would manipulate you or mm-hmm. me talking to you to reiterate his love or your relationship because I remember him coming to me, you know, when you guys were having problems, you know, he would come and then you would come and we would all talk and, you know, let's go talk to your sister. You said mm-hmm. that he would say, you know, it's, it's painful to watch. And I remember asking you, has he ever abused you? Has he ever been abusive to you? Do you remember me yeah. asking you? Yeah, and, and, and he hadn't. Yeah, he'd never, you know, hit you or anything like that. But it was other ways. It was other ways. I just, I just saw something in him that, like, again, that inner whatever voice that told me there was something, like, violent about him. Because I remember he was so impatient, so impatient mm-hmm. When he would do stuff, he'd be rushing through it. And then, and if you did something that agitated him, he wouldn't say anything, but he had, he'd always run his fingers up to the top of his hair and sniffle and be agitated. You know yeah, what I'm talking about? Like he was on drugs. Yeah. So. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, now that you think back. Well, now, yeah. Because now we're told he was doing cocaine. Yeah. Cocaine, ecstasy. Well, uh, and then we, we know steroids. He got so, into steroids. Yeah. That just enhanced the asshole in him. That's all. Mm hmm. he already was it just (laughs) enhanced it (laughs) yeah but um yeah and his face would change yeah yeah when he'd got get impatient yeah yeah and he'd get red yeah it was just a whole i mean i'm i'm sure we all when we get mad but he held it he held it but he would like jerk things real hard i mean i remember him jerking liam remember Mm -hmm. when he'd get mad and he push him really hard in the chair mm-hmm. and you know Liam's this fragile boy and he's just like looking at him so scared you know he was scared and then I remember him pulling the pencil when he was learning to write he was writing with his left hand and I remember him pulling the pencil out of Liam's hand and forcing him to write with his right hand and I said why are you doing that you don't want him to be left-handed he said and I s- said why I'm left-handed what's wrong with that you know, yeah. well, he just didn't want it to be. It was control. It's control. And all about what he wanted. Mm-hmm. It was always what he wanted. Did you, what, how did you feel? Did you see the breakdown of me? Yeah. Did you see the breakdown yeah. of me and the loss of me, the loss of my individuality? I, in yeah. That? Yeah, I did. I just remember what really sticks in my mind is when he, came back from Europe and they had pulled him aside and that whole scenario saying your your passport is expired or immigration something about it being expired and I thought to and, myself yeah why would he why would he travel with something like that first of all but then I remember him getting all geared up and ready because he was going to get 
deported because of his past. And we're like, no, he's not going to get deported because he was saving some woman's honor. Then we find out the truth. But, but he was all ready to go. And he already knew. He knew he was going. We didn't know he was going, but he knew because of what he really, we, the truth behind it all. And he, you know, came out of the house and he was all mad. And I don't know why you guys come over, but you all three of you were there. And he said, she's not going to go with me. He made me suffer for that. Yeah. And that's where it started. That's where the spiral started, I think, as far as the, what do you call it? Him making you suffer for it. But there's the real word. abuse. Yeah a torment yeah because he would never let you live it down you know you're like my whole family's here everything I know my friends my family the language my business everything I know is here you know and I told him I says you know what we'll all go we'll all go we love you we support you remember I told him that and that wasn't good enough that wasn't good enough then he started the you know not living you live it down and Mm -hmm. I remember you were shaking and you were crying and they're having so much anxiety and and you were even having physical symptoms remember you were dizzy all the time and you were worried about that you couldn't even stand up I was just suffering and you had lost weight I felt like I was just suffering I felt like I was dying slowly Mm -hmm. really Mm -hmm. like the life was getting sucked out of me the Mm -hmm. energy everything like my well-being was gone Mhm. Yep. It was so hard. But yeah, watching that and trying to like do damage control, you know, Barb, she's always the fixer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I got to try to make it right and so that's why I said, "We'll all go. It she won't have to leave anybody. We'll all go." You know? And it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. But I remember you know, one of the few times that, now I'm losing my train of thought. I'm going thinking about, remember your birthday party down at the wine? Uh, Oh, yeah. Did you forget about that? You know? What part? Well, (laughs) because you had found out about it by accident because you were looking because you were suspicious about him Yeah, he was sex texting and messing around with um, a couple of the girls from the gym that we would frequent, from a gym that I frequent for years and I taught step aerobics at and I was a personal trainer and people knew me there and it was a small gym, very family oriented. And then he started going there once we were together. And so it was pretty clear that we were a couple and we had a child. We would take our baby into the childcare daycare room and he's still screwing around with two of these girls there behind my back. And they knew, they knew we were together. So they're doing it too. They were entertaining it too. And yeah, I, I came across his phone one morning and I saw a text message from his friend Paul. But it said, I'm reaching down into my panties, rubbing my clit, thinking of you. So I was like, Paul, Paul? I don't know. Paul has the clit, <laughs> right? I told, I, I told him that I said, I don't know. Paul has the clit. Oh my gosh. Did he jump out of that bed so fast? I would, I would have thought like, 
you know, there was a fire. Yeah. And he tried grabbing that phone from me and was like, oh, oh, I knew you would be checking my phone. We were, we were testing you. Me and my friend Paul were testing you to see if you're checking on my phone. And And so what if you were? Yeah. Miss wife. What do you got to hide? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But you know what? It, It was all bullshit. All smoke and mirrors. Smoke and mirrors, people. Bullshit, the lies. It, he just, it was this girl named Chelsea. Hi, Chelsea. From the gym. Who is like, she was like the gym hood rat who would hook up with anybody and everybody just to get herself some attention because she obviously had some insecurity and some issues. So it didn't matter to her. Um, but he put her under his phone, but put Paul's name as the contact. So after all that, started going through the phone bills and just seeing for like, I'm going to say it was about two months of just texts all day long between the two of them. And then between another girl, another girl named Sarah, Sarah was supposed to, um, he was supposed to have been DJing her wedding, her upcoming wedding. Um, so it made sense that they would talk and, you know, collaborate about things, but not all day from eight o'clock in the morning till like 11 o'clock at night and then have some phone calls in between. It just, it was just like, wow. It's not just one, but two. Did her husband go to the gym too? Yeah. Wow. And her parents too, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. You remember They that. Yeah. They didn't end up getting married, did they? Yeah. Oh, they did? But they're yeah. divorced now? I've heard they're divorced now because yeah. then she cheated on him. Duh. And married some other guy now. But, you know, and that girl, she, I mean, I called her to talk to her and try to find out what was going on. And she had the audacity to attack me and go off on me on the phone. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. You're the one texting my husband all day long for days and weeks. Like, <sighs> And what's really sucks, people, is that these people knew me. They they knew us. It was a small gym. And for them to still keep doing this or to even entertain it and do it in the first place is just sick. It just shows nobody has any respect or value of marriage. You know, I was nice to every one of these people. Very nice. And they betrayed me. You know, they just followed in his nutty footsteps. But, you know, I I wish them well. You know, I've, I've moved on. They've moved on. I've wished them well. This is just, I'm just educating people and getting my story out because people, you think you know your friends and you think you know the people around you and you always, you don't always. No. You do not always. No. You have to so. be... You know, in sermon, it said on Sunday, it was real touching about, you know, being vulnerable and let, letting your feelings out. But it is really hard to find the right people to be able to do that and be real with. So you you, safe. you, you have to feel safe. You have to feel safe. You, you have to be in a safe place to be able to let your guard down and know that you can really trust 
these people and that they do have your best interests at heart Mm -hmm. and they do believe in the Lord and that they they celebrate you. They celebrate your accomplishments and and they don't don't envy you and get jealous that they they celebrate you at your best and your worst. So, you know, that's (laughs) that's preaching. That's what we're doing. But that's it's 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 true. true. You have to. But Um, mind you, though, during that whole time when I found out about him messing around with the two girls at the gym and um, doing the sex texting, he was planning a huge 40th birthday party for me at the same time. Mm-hmm. And planning this party for me, really nice extravagant party at one of the wineries. And the whole time he's doing it and running around that day of and going down the, to the winery, making sure everything's great, he's texting these two the whole entire time. While he's planning his wife's 40th birthday party. But let's fit in some sex texting in between. But, but you know, that was nice that he did that for you. But everything that he did was for show. It's look at what I've done, everybody. Mm-hmm. Look at what, you know. Look I at can, how great I am. Yeah, exactly. So it's... It, not always necessarily was for you, but it was for him to feel grandiose, right? Yes. You know, and then he made you feel miserable. He made me feel miserable all the, the whole... way down there because he still couldn't get over my ex, Chris. <laughs> Remember? Mm-hmm. Ten years later, like really? He made me feel miserable, you guys, all the way down there. That trip to my big surprise party, he just bashed me and went uh, no he were shaking and upset then too he just bashed me and demeaned me all the way there telling me i didn't love him telling invite chris he remember he he said he was yeah he said he should have he said you know what i should have done i should have invited your ex-boyfriend chris and just dropped you off and said here you go happy birthday and i but why was he so upset about chris i i don't know he always couldn't get over that because he felt like in the very beginning of our relationship, you and Chris were breaking up. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and he thought that I wanted to Still be, be with Chris, be, but I didn't. Yeah. It was obvious I didn't, yeah. and obvious I married this man. I loved him, yeah. but he just couldn't get it through his thick skull. That you didn't have a life before him. <laughs> oh yeah, right. I, yeah, he just couldn't get o- he couldn't get over that. It was a big. I think it was a big ego. ego trip everything everything was all about his ego everything he always wanted to be told he was a good cook remember i said that but Um, he always wanted to overly it was really good wasn't it and i thought yes it was really good thank you he wanted constant constant admiration constant affirmations he just couldn't get enough. Yeah. Nothing was yeah. enough. And I told him that. Yeah. Oh, when you did he, tell him I that. I did tell him that. I remember him standing over by the sink in the kitchen. You know how he put his water on his face all the time. And and he was messing. We found out he was messing around with somebody. I forget who, but. I know. Which one? Yeah. Which one and I signed? Was, was it Liam's swim coach? Yeah. Or was it the girl that worked at the bank? Or was it our two neighbors? Yeah. Um, Really, it gets this hairy, it guys. I mean, it's, it's disgusting. Mm-hmm. But I remember, I said, nothing, Laszlo, nothing is going to be enough for you. No one person is going to be enough for you. 
you know, when he just well, looked at me. Well, that's why he isn't with just one person. Well, well yeah, that's true, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it, it is, it's sad because he's going to have a lonely existence as an older man, I think, you know, mm-hmm. or he's going to mess around, as Dale says, he's going to mess around with the wrong man's woman. Or yeah. man. Or men, maybe. Yeah, that's been a, that's the that's been a yeah. That's been a something. Someone that's said. been something someone said and put the thought in that probably he's messed around with men too. Um, I at this point it wouldn't surprise me. Right. Nothing would, yeah. would it? You? No, because his sexual cravings are just like so out of control. Yeah, you know, and then the steroids and and the steroids and all that, and he can't even achieve an erection. He had erectile dysfunction issues and blamed me. He blamed me for all of that. But come to find out, other women that he was with that I have spoken to now, same thing, same thing. He had the same problem with them too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I I don't know if you're going to go later on to family. And what he did to family, is that in another episode? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, to what he did to his family over there? So to what he did to his family over there. Yeah, that's going to be on another episode. Um, Because we have had some family members reach out. Mm -hmm. Um, From across the globe. But, yeah, from across the globe. But what was something you wanted to add, Barb, about... You could see how I'd be scared of him sometimes, or because my yeah, book. well, yeah. I mean, going back to that party, I don't, I don't remember everything. There's just so much stuff, you guys, that you kind of get a little, what's that word, convoluted, mm-hmm. you know. Um, that I do remember that you had found out about the party, and I don't know if it was through reading text message or how you found out but you did and he found out that you found out and I don't know how he did but you were so afraid to tell him that you said that I accidentally told you yeah because you were afraid and then I'm like don't throw me under the bus (laughs) and I remember Dale and I were out eating and you'd called me and said that and that you're like he's gonna call you and then so I'm like, I told Dale everything, and he's like, I'm, all, I'm not answering the phone. I was scared of him, too. I'm not going to answer the phone. And so, you know, he's calling, and I'm not answering, and he's calling, and I'm not answering, and I'm pushing it to voicemail over and over again, and finally Dale picks it up. And he says, I'll answer it. You know, he picks it up, and that's when he said, you know, don't basically railroad me. You know, you need to talk it through with your wife. And then I'm like, but poor Carla. <laughs> I, I was so scared. Yeah. So scared. He was very intimidating. He's a big man. Mm-hmm. You know, and he got even bigger after steroids. the steroids. Oh, he got, he got really, really bad after the steroids. It just enhanced yeah. everything. All the anger. <clears throat> all the anger. The the, everything. Made and the hair grow on his back and not on his head. <laughs> <laughs> but it just, um, yeah, he was scary. He was definitely scary. And I remember you reaching out to one of his best friends. Remember Carlisle? You yeah. reached out to Carlisle because you're like, I don't know what's happening. Please, I don't want him to kill himself. And 
You were with mom in the car. Oh, yeah. I was so worried about him doing the steroids that he was going to have a stroke or a heart attack. His blood pressure was high. He was always angry. Red. He was always red in that vein in his head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and you reached out to Carlisle and you were upset crying. You almost crashed the car. I know. Yeah, I remember that. So. Yeah. yeah. And, and then. I've seen a lot of, of hurt, you know. And when you. I don't know if you got, if anybody listens doesn't everybody doesn't know how close me and my sister are but you know we're like two peas in a pod I mean we even sound the same so but it hurts me when she hurts you know it affects like like she said it affects the whole family you know the whole family worries we don't know what's going to happen with her or you know or to see her hurting and so anxious and then yeah and Liam too you know worried about him and things happen for a reason and they can be very devastating but I think that the Lord showed you the truth and and even though it had to be the way that it was I mean because you don't want your child your son to grow up without his father but when his father is doing these things and taking him with him and you don't know what he's seen. Yeah. What he's exposing him to and the impatience in him and in, in being, being Liam has his, you know, anxieties and stuff. It's just going to make him more anxious and, and, and scare him. So, well, Liam started having panic attacks too, and mm-hmm. he would yell at him and tell him, Liam, there's nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Knock it off. You know, mm-hmm. at five years old, having a panic attack. And I know what this happening to this poor little baby, you know, a mama bear would come out and I would yell at him and tell him not to do that to mm-hmm. Liam. And I remember uh, him yelling and screaming at you one time. You guys had come back from Jason's house for Christmas mm-hmm. and we were or Christmas Eve and we were coming to your house at Christmas Eve and you said we just pulled up and we're fighting mm-hmm. it, he, he ruined every, every holiday yeah, he did. every holiday and every party get together whatever something I, I don't know what it is but it's really common for these narcissists to to do that and ruin it like right before whatever mess it up somehow I don't know <laughs> if it's purpose? If it's a form of control still or because they're not getting the attention. I don't know what it is, mm-hmm. but it always happened mm-hmm. every time. It did. And then I remember him yelling at you. And then, you want me to hold it? And then um, poor little Liam was like, he. you said Lazo was yelling at you going, I hate you. I effing hate you. Mm-hmm. And poor little Liam went in the backyard screaming, holding his hands over his ears. Yeah. So, you know, he was exposed to a lot. He was exposed to, yeah, a lot. And he is my heart. He is our family's heart. And we will protect him. Beyond measure. Yeah, beyond measure. Beyond measure, because this guy is toxic. And it is sad. The situation is sad, but... Liam and I are in a much more healthy place now, and we're doing really good, and we're thriving, and he's thriving. We believe in the Lord, and Liam writes about God and prays to God and feels safe because of God, and his little journal that he writes in, you know, is so precious. But it it's it's 
God that's taking care of all of us. And it's that's for sure. Yeah. God's grace. He definitely, he definitely said, this is enough. Enough's mm-hmm. enough. And he literally pulled this man out of our lives and sent him away. There's no other explanation. None. This Lord really, really looked out for me and my family and my son. Um, You know, I mean, this guy is just, he believes his own lies. You know, when he was messing around um, with the girls at the gym and with Chelsea, he's like, oh, I never had sex with them. I'll take a lie detector test. Oh, yeah. He probably paid the lie detector guy, too. Now that I remember that, I set was up. And I was like, okay, then fine. You want to take a lie detector test? Go ahead. But you're paying for it. And then my sister set it up, and he did take it, and he passed. And we're all, what? <laughs> well, we were happy but he passed. We though. were happy. Yeah. I was happy. I thought I could believe him. But the thing is, is that he bragged about it later on. So we know that it was it was a lie. He really did do something yeah, he shitty. Yeah. Um, because he bragged about passing that lie detector test to some friends who told me about it later on. He's just, this guy's just something oh, else. Told you that he, yeah, he that he bragged about it. Oh, I didn't know that part. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. Not well, surprising. It, yeah, I'm not surprised either. But we're, we are um, about the end of this episode. So is there any other little tidbits or anything you want to say? Before we wrap it up, um, I pray for him because I just hope that someday he gets the help that he needs. Um, but I, I don't wish him ill will, anything bad. You know, I know that he's kind of resurfacing now in the comments and. You know, I just want him to just find help, you know, pray for your enemies. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. We do wish him well and pray for him and his well-being and for the Lord to, you know, guide him, show him, you know, that this this isn't right. It's yeah. not right to do to people. There's many victims out there at the hands of this guy and there's more and there's going to be more and continue to be more because they don't stop i like i told you i said you're not his last you're not his first and you're not his last yeah he leaves a trail of destruction wherever he goes you know so absolutely 100 percent. be supportive if you're if you're in have a family member and you're listening to this that's in a relationship just be supportive you know, that's all you can do. But they're going to need you. They're, yeah, they are absolutely going to need you. You know, so hopefully you can help help each other through it. Well, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Um, we appreciate, you know, everyone's support and people who are listening and hoping to help you guys out there, too, along the way. This has been very healing for me um, and my sister. And, um, you know, we'll, I will definitely be back on next week and catch up more. Um, the story goes on. Um, and uh, just thanks again, everyone. Peace and blessings. Love you. Bye. Bye.